definitely focus on SEO, definitely focus on repurposing, focus on collaboration and focus on consistency and just keeping at it. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Freelance Friday podcast. In case you're new around here, I'm Latasha, and I went from writing Zanga and LiveJournal and WordPress blogs back in the early 2000s to making over six figures as a content creator just from content creation alone. I do a lot of other things as well, but just the content creation piece has become a solid full-time source of income for me. And I think it's actually more possible now than ever. Back when I first got started, nobody knew what a content creator was. It was very much the wild, wild west. Uh, People were paying pennies, paying in product, and now people have real budgets. And uh, yeah, there's just more tools than ever to make a full-time content creation journey, a possibility. So I want to share with you my best tips for getting started in today's day and age as a content creator and really making it your full-time career. Before we get into the episode, please do take a second to subscribe to the YouTube channel or follow along on the podcast platforms. I'm on Spotify, Apple podcasts, and also take a second to leave me a comment. Let me know that you're here. If you have two seconds to do so. Today's episode is also brought to you by Uscreen. I'll share a bit more about them later. Their link is also down in the show notes if you want to check them out and let them know that Latasha sent you. Okay. So my first tip is to make sure that you actually want to be a content creator. Like any job, uh, content creation has its pros and cons. I think we hear a lot about the good because it sounds amazing, right? You get to be yourself and work from home most of the time and be really creative and, you know, be in charge of your schedule and who wouldn't want to do that. But it definitely does have its cons. It has its stress. I think just like any other type of freelance job, content creation has those highs and those lows. There are seasons when I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this brand wants to work with me and I'm going to go speak at this thing. And I just had this amazing call with this other brand. And then there are seasons where I'm like, nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. My content is tanking. Um, no brands want to work with me. You know, there's definitely that high, low roller coaster, just like in any freelance job. But I think one of the other big things that you want to think about with content creation is just how private of a life you want to live. I think that's one of the hardest, hardest things is opening yourself up to personal criticism, potentially opening your family up or, you know, your loved ones up to potential criticism. It's something that isn't really typical of a lot of other jobs. You know, you go into an office and even if you hate your job, typically your boss isn't you know, criticizing the way that you like, I don't know, wash your dishes. These are things that really happen on the internet. Now, I also think you should decide though, what type of content creator you wanna be. Because yes, as the sort of face of your brand, you will always open yourself up to some amount of scrutiny or personal, you know, comments, I suppose. However, there are lots of different types of content you can create. I mean, of course, if you're going to be a family vlogger or a personal vlogger or something like that, yeah, those are going to be the most open to criticism types of content that you can create. But there are faceless content creators nowadays where maybe I only see their hands or see slides or see voiceovers or animations. Those are absolutely viable paths to go down. There are also, you know, somewhere in between like the content I create now. Sure. I talk about things in my personal life when I feel really 
motivated to, when I feel really inspired, when I feel really excited about something, but my whole content strategy is not based around my personal life. Like I do not need to be living my life to please cameras. So figure out what type of content that is. I also think that video content tends to be the most personal, right? Cause you can, you feel like you're right here in the room with the person that you're watching. So if you maybe want to lean more on graphic design or just on audio or just on photos, right? There are so many different types, but I think it's really important to get clear from the get go, what kind of the general creative direction, what type of content you're looking to create before you go into these next steps. Now, the next thing that you want to think about is your niche. A niche is basically a category of content or, you know, the, the type of content where you would fall in the library of content, let's say. And I think even more important than finding a niche, which can even, even that could be broad, right? We can say online business or food or um, fashion or makeup or education, all of these different topics, right? Those are all still pretty broad. I say go even deeper and really figure out what your keyword is gonna be. This is really important in the early days of starting your content strategy. Figure out what that keyword is. For me, when I really got serious about content and when my you know podcast really started to take off and, and everything, I focused very heavily on the keyword social media manager. That was my job at the time, my full-time job. I still do that, more to come on that. But I was working full-time doing that and side hustling, building up my agency. And that was my life, you know, that was so much of my life. And I knew that I wanted to, one, reach potential clients who are looking for social media managers and to reach other social media managers to share my expertise, my advice, all of that kind of stuff. And so pretty much every video that I made focused on something related to social media manager. Pretty much every every title had social media manager, social media management, social media marketing, something like that in the title. So I could really own that keyword, as we say. Think about that. Don't just think about your niche. If you're talking about food, is it healthy vegan food? Is it easy one pot meals? Is it cheap meals for family, like get really granular in the beginning. Cause that's how you're going to start to carve out a path for yourself. And that's how you're going to start to build an audience. It really is going to be likely through SEO in the beginning. You know, you can get a little bit less SEO focused once you start to build an audience, but in the beginning, you've got to find people who want to watch you. You've got to find people who are searching for what you are giving them. Next, you want to create a revenue plan. And I know this might feel like it's coming really soon, but it's really, really important before you even start creating content to have an idea of how you would like to make money, because that's going to help you position yourself in the right way uh, and, and set up your platforms in the right way and kind of start to uh, speak to your, your audience in a particular way, right? There's so many different ways that you can make money as a content creator. And my best advice is to diversify. Do not rely on just one revenue stream if you can at all help it, because at any time, one of those streams can be taken away. Uh, something could happen with the algorithm or an ads platform or something like that. And you don't want to be left in the dark. So there are quite a few different ways. I wrote them all down because sometimes I can't remember. There are brand sponsorships. 
There's ad revenue, like if you're creating YouTube content, even some of the social platforms now, like TikTok has creator found fund and things like that. There are affiliate links, there's merchandise, there's products and services, and there are memberships. And that is actually what Uscreen knows all about. Uscreen is a membership platform that I'm actually working on rebuilding my membership in. This is a really, really cool way to get in front of your audience and just get closer to them, develop a closer relationship with them, and also establish a reoccurring revenue stream for your business, which is incredibly valuable. If you're already creating great videos and just need that final revenue push to get you to the point of being full-time, then you should definitely check them out. Uscreen allows you to launch a paid membership complete with your own mobile apps, as well as TV apps like Apple TV, Roku, and Fire TV, which has a Netflix-like look and feel. Uscreen is the only platform that's specifically built for video creators to do memberships, and it shows. They make it super easy to categorize your content, have conversations with viewers in the comments, and even send your members push notifications all within your branded mobile apps. Creators like Jev and Dovey, Yoga by Adrian, Filmmakers Academy, Abundance Plus, and Art Hub for Kids all use Uscreen to run their memberships. And guess who else we can add to that list? Me. I am in the process of building my own Uscreen membership. I can't wait to show it to you all. In addition to creating member exclusive videos and live streams, I'm most excited to post challenges and updates in the community section of my Uscreen membership. And the best part is that launching a paid membership opens up recurring revenue opportunities for you, making it easier to turn your content creation into your full-time gig. Uscreen makes hosting a membership super easy by taking care of video hosting, billing, monetization tools, analytics, and user support and anything else that you need to create and scale an amazing membership business. So again, I'm gonna leave a link for Uscreen down in the description, in the show notes. Definitely go check them out if you are interested in memberships and be sure to let them know that Latasha sent you if you do. So memberships are definitely a great way to build revenue for your content creation business, but there are lots of other ways. And like I said, I definitely recommend diversifying and picking at least a couple that you can kind of lean on. One of the probably most common ways to make money as a content creator is sponsorships. Now, the pros of this is that the payouts tend to be higher than maybe some of the other options on this list, like affiliate revenue, merch sales, things like that. But I think the biggest con with sponsorships is that it really does take a while before you are able to get those high paying sponsorships. When I first started out, um, I, I don't think I got paid for a sponsorship until I had maybe like five or 10,000 subscribers on YouTube. I had received products. I was doing makeup content a lot at that time. I'd received products, but you know, product doesn't pay the bills. So you definitely do need an audience or at least be able to have some case studies to show that you are able to convert an audience over to a link, over to a product, something to be able to really qualify for sponsorship. So I think those are a great longer term goal, but typically when you're first starting out, that's not going to be in the revenue mix, you know, on month one, or maybe even year one, I do have an episode all about sponsorships that I'm going to link in the cards and down below. If you want to check that out, if that's really the route that you would like to go down. Another path that you can go down is ad revenue. So YouTube, for example, you can monetize your videos after you reach a particular threshold. I believe it's like 4,000 watch hours and a certain number of subscribers. 
definitely recommend doing that. It's some nice pocket change. That's really what it was for me in the beginning of my YouTube career. I was, you know, sometimes making a few hundred dollars and then it, it got to the point where I was actually making a consistent income from it. Last year, I think was my peak for YouTube revenue. I made over $50,000 just from YouTube ad revenue alone. This year, I think it's going to be less than that. Strangely, even though my, my videos are doing better than ever. So it is a little bit, like I said, roller coastery. It depends on ad sales. It depends on so many other factors that you can't really control. So again, I don't really recommend relying on it as your primary revenue source, but it can be a nice like bonus for sure. Now, if you're not doing YouTube, there are also other options like like the TikTok creator fund. Uh, I think Instagram, at least at one point, was doing something similar. Even for the podcast, this is something I just started doing this year. I didn't even realize it, but apparently I could turn on ads within Spotify for podcasters, which is what I use to upload the podcast. So all of those little things, you know, sure, I'm only making like $5 a podcast, maybe something like that, but they all add up. So over time, you are building these you know, multiple revenue streams for yourself so that you are not completely left in the dark if one of them isn't working anymore. Another revenue stream that I definitely recommend thinking about, particularly if you're going to be doing a lot of like product reviews or, or if you're more of a lifestyle creator and you are linking out a lot to, you know, household products or fashion items, makeup products, things like that. Think about affiliate links. Now, I used to always, I've, I've been in an affiliate program like Amazon's affiliate program since I think it started back when I had a blog. And I was always like, this doesn't work. Like, I don't make any money from it. I try to make the links and nobody ever, like, I don't know. I, I never see anything tangible from it. But again, over the years, as you start to develop a content library, number one, it definitely, uh, what's the word? snowballs, combust. That's not the word I'm looking for. I don't know. It definitely, oh my gosh, compounds. Compounds was the word I was looking for. It definitely adds up. And so again, I'm not living off of Amazon affiliate links by any means, but it's now like, you know, a decent chunk of revenue each month. And then the other thing with affiliate links is finding affiliate links that have high payouts. Amazon for me is like, you know, I get like pennies, literal pennies when you, when somebody purchased something from my affiliate links, but I do have certain softwares that I use that actually pay a good amount. Because if you think about it, if I'm referring somebody to a subscription program that is a higher price, you know, software program, they're going to reward me handsomely for that. So look into the tools that you use every day in your business or, or whatever it is that you do and see if they offer an affiliate program. Even course creators often offer affiliate programs. I know I'm an affiliate for one course that I think pays me $250 every time I refer a sale their way, which is a good chunk of change. So look for those higher ticket, you know, affiliate programs merch. Of course, if you want to do t-shirts, if you want to do anything like that, I've dabbled in this. I have a coaching journal that I really just did for fun. I also made a coloring book with my mom, which was also really just for fun. It wasn't this huge revenue, you know, generating endeavor, but I have videos all about how to create those low content journals, workbooks, coloring books, things like that. If you think that is something you might want to go down, of course you could do t-shirts, mugs, all that kind of stuff. And then lastly, 
products and services. I'm not going to dive too much into this because this is what like 90% of my podcast and YouTube channel is all about. So instead I'll link some resources down in the show notes for you. If you want to get started with digital products, I'll leave that link and services is like, just look at the YouTube channel and, and type in a search with my name. You'll find a lot on how to start as a social media manager or, or a consultant or anything like that. You know, it can just be a really I don't want to say easy way, but it can be a natural way to grow your business. If you're already delivering content that's helpful to people, whether it's on YouTube or TikTok or Instagram or podcasts, it can be just a really natural, a natural step to say, Hey, by the way, I'm offering consultations or I have this course around this topic, or I'm having this event where I can do your social media for you, etc." Okay. So after you think about revenue, after you think about what type of content you want to create, you kind of develop your, your game plan. Hey, here's how I'm going to make money. Here's how I'm going to fuel this. You got to actually plan out your content and, you know, create that map of content. And what I recommend starting with is choosing a primary platform first. So this is going to be where you dedicate the majority of your energy. This is kind of your first your first platform. It's the thing that you think about first when somebody says, Hey, can you do a video or a post or a, a piece of content on this topic? You're going to be thinking of this platform first. And then I want you to think about a secondary platform that is going to help you uh, drive traffic to that primary platform or just broaden your, your reach. If I had it my way, and if I were starting from scratch, I would be doing primary platform as something that's a little bit longer form. That's a little bit for lack of better words, meatier that I can pull content from and repurpose onto a shorter form platform. For example, for me, my primary platform is YouTube. So if somebody says, Hey, Latasha, can you do a video on taxes for freelancers? I'm thinking YouTube, I'm going to repurpose and take clips of that YouTube video and post it over on Instagram, which is really my secondary platform, but also probably on TikTok and LinkedIn and like all the other platforms as well. But really those are my two key platforms. The reason I recommend starting long form, if that makes sense for you, I understand some people like have no interest in long form content. And if you don't like it, then don't do it. You know, ignore, ignore that advice and start with TikTok, start with Instagram, whatever. But if you can at all help it, making something that's a little bit longer, that's a little bit meatier is it gives you so much to work with. With a 30 second TikTok or a one minute Instagram story or reel or whatever, it's a lot harder for me to make that work for me long-term. It's kind of like here today, gone tomorrow. Whereas I really credit the fact that my videos over the years have ranked really well for those particular keywords that I, that I set out to rank for and others, and that they've really lived beyond that initial upload. When I look at my analytics on YouTube, some of the videos that are doing the best for me right now are videos that I posted up to three to five years ago, honestly. And that doesn't mean that my videos today don't do well, but it just is a testament to sort of the shelf life of a platform like YouTube. The same can be said for a blog or a podcast or, or anything that has kind of that more SEO potential for it. With my TikToks, it's very much like they get a, you know, an initial rush of attention and after about a week or so, I don't really hear much from them anymore. I'm sure that's not true for everybody. I've never had a super viral TikTok that has millions of views. I'm sure those probably have more of that SEO effect. But 
for most people's day-to-day short form content. It just doesn't work that way. So that's kind of my, my spiel on that. Now, of course, you also need to just figure out what you're going to post on those platforms. When it comes to creating a content plan, you need to think about everything from your topics, kind of your subtopics that go in addition to that keyword or that niche that you've chosen. I recommend coming up with two to three content pillars or key themes, key buckets of content that you want to talk about. So let's say that you are a hairstylist and you have the goal of creating your own line of clip-in hair extensions. So you're going to sell product to your audience. And then you also are available for services. If people are in your area or willing to pay to have you, to have you come work with them. So you might have the content pillars of, you know, at home hair, like easy hairstyles, and you might do tutorials. You might do a behind the scenes or like a meet the founder type of series where you actually share maybe vlogs of going to the factory where you're manufacturing your hair or, um, you know, just kind of diaries, video diaries of you coming up with the idea, coming up with the packaging, meeting with designers, all of that kind of stuff. And maybe you have a client feature where you show before and after and, you know, little vlogs of getting your clients ready for events and special moments of their life. Like just off the top of my head, you probably are not going to start a random series about makeup trends, right? Because even though your ideal audience probably cares about that. If they care about hair, they probably care about makeup too. They kind of go hand in hand, but makeup trends doesn't really tie back to anything that you have to offer either as the service where you can go and do their hair or as the product that you plan to develop. So it's, yeah, it may be getting eyes on your account. Yes. You might be even going viral if you are showing really cool makeup looks, but is it actually helping your bottom line? Is it actually helping you get known for what you really want to be known for? Not really. So you want to make sure that you are building out those content pillars and cycling through them as well. I like having content pillars just so I remember to not be like super repetitive. Sometimes I can get in these creative almost ruts where it's like, I I don't know. I'm like, all I want to make is how to content this month. Like I just want to make tutorials. And I'm like, but Latasha, like some of your audience doesn't only want tutorials. They also might want to see a vlog or they might want to see an interview or they want, might want to see something a little bit different. So cycling through those pillars can help you make sure that your content is feeling related. It's all feeling a part of the same channel or platform, but it's not feeling super repetitive. And you know, you're like hitting people over the head with the same type of content. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When it comes to growing your audience, as I mentioned, SEO really is your friend in the early days. I went hard with that keyword on YouTube. And that is truly how I was able to grow my audience. Like that's the the long story short, be consistent, be consistent, give it a good amount of time before you throw in the towel. I say like three months minimum, go with that strategy, go with that keyword, go with that niche, pay attention to feedback, listen to what people are saying. And, um, you know, 
review your analytics before you say this isn't working or, or this is working and before like really changing up the strategy. That's my best advice. And then another thing with growing your audience as a gun, that repurposing can really help with this. So if you are, let's say creating a podcast, make sure that you're posting clips on TikTok. make sure that you're posting clips on Instagram. Those things can all be helpful ways to get you in front of new audiences. There are lots of other strategies. Of course, you can also do things like collaborations, you know, guest on other podcasts. If you have a podcast, invite people onto your podcast that are well-known names who are likely to share your show with their audience. You know, there's so many different things that you can do that are kind of platform specific, but definitely focus on SEO, definitely focus on repurposing, focus on collaboration and focus on consistency and just keeping at it. I know that's like the hardest advice to listen to because it's so it's actionable, but it's not, I I get it. I get it. Um, but it is a bit of a a waiting game. That doesn't mean keep doing the same thing that isn't working. That doesn't mean wait forever, but give it a good go before you throw in the towel. And then the last thing that you really need to do is just scale your business, right? Scale the business side of it. Once you have the content side of it going, you're in your groove, you're starting to build an audience. You're starting to get good feedback on your content. You know, you're getting in the the day-to-day groove of creating the content. Then you really want to think about growing the business. And this is where you're going to go back to those revenue streams. And the reason we planned this out ahead of time is because you're going to be growing your business in a different way. If you are focusing more on affiliate income, than if you're focusing on memberships, right? If you're focusing more on memberships, you want to make sure that you are focusing first on just building a solid audience, like building a large audience, building an engaged audience, most importantly, developing that just close relationship with them, having those back and forth conversations in the DMs and the comments, all of that stuff, and really establishing your platforms as a true community for whoever it is that you're looking to serve. Meanwhile, if you're hoping that affiliate income is gonna be your primary source of revenue, you might be more focused on SEO. You might come up with like lists on your blog of best uh, best gifts to get a mom, you know, I don't, I don't know, best gifts to get a dad for father's day, like listicle type articles like that, things that are gonna rank in search where you can just link to your affiliate links and call it a day, right? Maybe you adopt more of an Instagram story strategy where you, again, build up a relationship with your audience and and just show them your outfits and link to affiliate links. Like your, your strategy for content is going to be a little bit different depending on what your primary revenue source goal is going to be. So keep that in mind. But Assuming you've you've kind of thought through that, built your content strategy around that, now it's time to just scale it. Really, we're gonna divide this into two different categories, into the customer journey, if you are selling to customers, and more to the client acquisition journey or, or strategy, if you're looking to either work with brands or sell your services to clients. So either way, you want to look at your your content through their eyes, basically. And in my experience, as somebody who does both, like I said, I've used all of those and still do use all of those different revenue streams. What works best for me for customers? So for the membership, for example, or selling like courses or anything like that is getting people onto an email list first. So I have a freebie. I have videos on this as well that I will, I will reference for you. There's going to be a lot of resources in this episode because I know we're like, we're kind of flying through the topics here, but I have a, a lead magnet 
hey, here's how to get started as a social media manager. Here's a YouTube cheat sheet. Here's blah, 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 blah. Download that. Well, now I have their email address and now I can nurture them through an email sequence that walks them through the process of what it's like to become a member of my community, of what it's like to work with me as their coach, what it's like to be in my community. And the goal is to get them down to the point of purchase. Sometimes they'll also do webinars. Webinars tend to convert really well for me, particularly for my courses. So I'll host special events for my audience and either, you know, sell them access to my membership or a course or something like that. And I think that tends to work the best because, you know, emails don't go away. Emails are not uh, at the mercy of an algorithm like my videos are, like Instagram posts are, like TikToks are. If I have your email address, I can get in contact with you until you tell me you would like to unsubscribe. Sounds a little creepy. I know, but it's true. So that's what tends to work the best for me in that regard. I think for brands, if you want to work with brands, start by optimizing your profile and making sure that you're easy to get in touch with. I actually, one of my first long-term freelance gigs, uh, was in, in influencer marketing. I worked on the brand side and you would be absolutely shocked to see how many people I could not get in touch with. They would have large audiences. They would even have open to collaborations, you know, in their Instagram bio but I could not find an email address for them. So unless I wanted to DM them, I, and, and usually I didn't because brands have their own way of doing it. Sometimes there's tracking involved. Sometimes you have to copy different team members, right? Like if I couldn't find an email address, I was skipping on that person. So make sure that you're easy to get in touch with. You'll also want to create what's called a media kit. It's basically your creator resume so that when brands do reach out or when you reach out to brands, you can say, Hey, here's some examples of content that I've created. Here are my stats. Here are how many audience members I have here. Are there typical demographics? Are they more male, more female? What's their age group? What's their location? All of that stuff. Those are going to be really powerful, um, sales tools for you. And of course you can do outbound, uh, outreach as well. I definitely recommend just introducing yourself to brands. I think the same is true for cold emailing as a service provider, like a freelancer, or a social media manager. I recommend playing it cool here. Like I am not the person who's going to be like, Hey, I want to work with your brand. Like give me $50,000 to, to participate in this year long campaign. That's never the vibe. It's always, Hey, I'm a really big fan of your brand. I would love to work together at some point. Um, you know, do you have any, any, um, opportunities to work together in the future? Just play it cool. Start with introductions, start by making connections. A lot of the times when I introduce myself to brands, we don't actually end up working together until, you know, maybe three, six months down the line, but just making those connections. I connect with people on LinkedIn, like do all the things. Okay. And then, yeah, same thing for clients. If you're going to provide a service, I've got lots of content about that. So again, I will link some resources for you below, but making sure that you have a discovery call link in your description of your YouTube videos, in your link in bio, if you're on Instagram or TikTok, and uh, kind of taking it from there. If you happen to be a social media manager who's looking to learn more about that customer journey and selling your services, be sure to check out the social media management accelerator. I will link that for you as well. It's a great resource. We really go through step-by-step -step of how do you book yourself out, how to get clients, how to serve your clients. It's a really fun class. So that's kind of it. I mean, I know that's kind of a lot to, to think about, but it really is, like I said, I think it's more possible now than ever. I think the key to making a full-time income as a content creator is diversification, is making sure that you have multiple revenue streams to lean on, 
And I think particularly having at least one revenue stream that is recurring like a membership. I think that's really, really powerful because the, the, you know, thing is a lot of us go from working a normal day job and we're used to that paycheck every two weeks or every month. It's just not like that as a content creator. If you're working with brands, again, there's going to be highs and lows. There's certain seasons you'll start to see patterns. Oh, around holiday time, that tends to be good for, for content creators. Whereas, you know, the middle of summer, maybe not so much, but with recurring revenue, if you have members who are paying a certain amount every single month, obviously they can cancel. So it can change, but it still is a lot more predictable and reliable than just relying on brands or just relying on affiliates or product sales even can be really up and down. So be sure to check out Uscreen if you are looking to create a membership. If you're interested in creating a membership, explore their platform. They've got so many amazing features. I'll leave that link in the show notes for you. And thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I'm going to have a lot of resources for you in the show notes. And uh, let me know if you'd like more info on any of these topics that I talked about today. I'm happy to do a part two. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please leave me a comment, subscribe, like, leave me a review on the podcast platforms, all the things. We're almost at 200 reviews on Apple Podcasts. I would really like to see us get there. I think I only need like three more. So if you haven't reviewed the show and you have a moment and you've made it all the way through, that must mean you like it, right? So please take a second to review the show on Apple Podcasts and I'll talk to you in the next one. Bye.